You're listening to. And you're listening to the Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian American perspective. This is for the East Side, East Side. from Vietnam to Vietnam and above and beyond. For cholos and chicas who roll in Toyota, Corolla, or Nissan, provoking Harukens with fofos and Levi's. Rolling that Indo, throwing that peace sign. Hope is no cold case, don't won't see no heat rise while taking that bar train from Frisco to Fremont. Arcade is designed to arm our policemen with far more power privatizing these prisons. And hey everyone, welcome to episode 153 of the Collabcast, the first Collabcast of 2018. It is Thursday, January the 4th. 2018. Uh, 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 uh. My name is Marvin Yue. My name is Minji Chang. And we are your hosts for this weekly look at pop culture in Asian America. And Oh, I was looking at the wrong cal- calendar. I know. Excuse me. We, Pardon we, me. I we don't like, have a 2018 calendar in <laughs> I was like, this you're wrong, Marv. office. <laughs> Our like office January is 4th. outdated right now. And it's very, <laughs> it's very embarrassing because we have special guests here who are like our professional counterparts and they're just judging our outdated calendar right now. Yeah, pretty much. We're not judging. We understand that non-profit hustle life. (laughs) Thank you. Our special guests this week are the executive director and the director of programs and operations of CAPE, the Coalition of Asian Pacifics in Entertainment. Michelle Sukihar and Jess Ju. Hello. Hi, guys. (laughs) Air horns, air horns. I actually have the air horn app. Do you want me to use it? No, please don't. Please don't. It's no. Can add it in post. Marvin, like, only only mouth sounds. He gives me so much, like, side eye whenever I use that thing. Um, Longtime listeners will recognize that voice as a um, sometimes fill in for our co host, Minji Chang, when she's not available. I'm Marvin's second option, always. (laughs) It's okay. I've come to accept that, you know. And it's year. Michelle's first time on the collab cast. Welcome. Michelle. Welcome. How did it take this long for you to I get don't here? Know. Thanks for finally inviting me. You're a busy woman. Whoa. Oh, that was some out. that was some grade A Japanese American passive, passive aggressive, aggressive shade. <laughs> you gotta learn from the JAs, okay? Thanks they so are the best. <laughs> Cape and um, Collaboration are frequent collaborators in the uh, world of supporting Asian Americans in the entertainment field. Um, They're uh, most well known for their Writers and Leadership Fellowship, um, getting young Asian Americans into the door in writing rooms and executive suites all across the nation. Mm-hmm. Or the entertainment in industry. Hollywood. Let's just or say entertainment, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we say from the writer's room to the boardroom to your living room. Hey. <laughs> Um, and we're going to talk with them more about what they do at CAPE and all the great programs they have, including the Writers Fellowship, which um, the deadline to apply is coming up right? Okay. in a, just a few days. Yeah, I don't know. Will it be? This is coming out today. Oh, it's, it's coming out today. Yes. So the application, mm-hmm. the submissions are due Sunday, this Sunday, January 7th by 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. Okay, I got some time. And then. we're going to give you all... <laughs> A billion reasons why you should apply for this. Oh thing. yeah, yes. I'm really excited to hear all your guys' anecdotes on this <laughs> and do all the plugs because we know some awesome people. But I know that people we know is like tip of the iceberg. Um, well, let's. Uh, why don't you explain what Cape is for our listeners? Since I didn't do a good job, they're both pointing at it. each other. <laughs> Well, we were founded in 1991 by a group of Asian American executives who kind of looked around at the media landscape and realized that there were more aliens on TV than there were Asian Americans. <laughs> and that That's was real. like, and like sometimes those two overlap, like Battlestar Galactica, thank you, you know, Star <laughs> Trek, thank you. Um, but essentially, it started off as a networking kind of community for Asian American professionals and it's really expanded now to this organization that really tries to make long lasting and systematic change in the entertainment industry um, and you know working towards better representation for Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders behind and in front of the camera. Yeah, so we envision a world where what we watch in our screens reflects the world in which we live and so the way we do that is through our two fellowships which we'll be talking about. Yes. I want to live in that world right now. We're on we're, our we're way. We're getting there. Yeah. It's, it's coming. It's a turning point. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to talk more with uh, Jess and Michelle about their programs and CAPE after the break. But before we get there, um, 
It's a new year. It's 2018. We're letting, we're we're getting rid. We're saying goodbye. We said Let goodbye. Go of the past. Of 2017. Let it go. Kill it if you have to. <laughs> Squash it. What past? I don't. Even, it doesn't even exist. It's the only that way. was a Star Wars it's the reference. Only way I'm sorry. To be what you were meant to be. Just kill it. Kill it if you have to. <laughs> were you Were you very happy with um, Kylo I, Ren's brooding? shirtless rage are you kylo ren fan oh hell no okay <laughs> he is like the ultimate fa boy you know i'm not gonna cuss on the show but he's the ultimate fa boy he was he tried to pull a neg on ray he was like you don't mean you don't mean anything you're nobody but you matter to me i'm like oh my god girl like, <laughs> see right through that please yes but see, she's young though and you know she's in like out there in space mm, so she's she vulnerable might she might not know yeah that's why she needs us there. That'd be like the funniest parody video. If we could like take that and juxtapose us in, we could CGI us in She'd as like, like her Asian. Guys are having like four like, like girl, blue milk girl, coffee. Girl, no. I know you want to change him, but he only he can you change don't him. Don't save okay? him, girl. You, you cannot save, save him. him. <laughs> he don't want to be saved. Okay, like learn from my mistakes. Um. <laughs> Since it's the new year, uh, we're going to switch up the format a little bit um, just because uh, we've taken a look at the past couple episodes and kind of taken a look at what's been working, what's not, hasn't been working. And I think um, going forward, we're going to switch up the first segment of this show so we can focus more on topical topics and um, actually talk about what, what we've been consuming as We're going to fine-tune that, that description. Topical yeah. topics. Topical topics. <laughs> but... Um, with that being said, let's. Um, what do you? What do y'all been watching lately? I'm like super late on the game, but I like finally watched Blackish. I like caught up on. Oh my god, it's amazing! Blackish. I haven't. It is what an amazing. No, show. it's so well done. They it just is. had. They just spun that off too, right? There's yeah, there's Grownish. Grownish is always off to college, mm. which is brilliant. Um, you know about this young black girl starting college, and it's just it's an amazing show. It's funny. It's warm but it's educational like but it's that sounds like exactly my kind of show no it's really good it's amazing like they talk they talk about like things that i can't even believe they're getting away with talking about in like a sitcom family sitcom (laughs) on broadcast tv um is that the anthony um anderson Anderson. Anderson. yeah he's the one that when he talked about um it's a whole special that he when he talked about when he interviewed about bringing up was it Black Lives Matter or just yeah, like they talk about all the issues? Yeah. it's yeah. amazing. So Black like, Lives Matter, Matter, the, the slavery, like, slavery, um, Juneteenth, right? The slavery and like Trump getting elected. You know, they cover all these very like raw topics in a funny way, and they're not afraid to kind of even make be authentic to a point of almost like highlighting the good and the bad, but it's all in a positive way. Yeah, where, yeah. where can I watch it? ABC, ABC, yeah. Hulu. They, it's all the episodes are on Hulu, um, but it's like I sometimes wish like that's the show. You know, I that's the show. I think every like community needs like that kind of show yeah. that's brave enough to go out there. Well, I mean, it's a show about a uh, middle class black family, but doesn't upper, sh- upper middle uh, class, but doesn't shy away from the fact that like they still live as black people. Oh yeah, in I mean America. that's central to the show. Yeah. He he is a proud black man yeah. who is living in the suburbs of Sherman Oaks and has to constantly <laughs> like so blackness is actually the the center center of every single episode every single theme and but they do it in such a nuanced way so his wife is biracial and is played by a biracial actress Tracy Ellis Ross yeah 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 and her whole family like she they bring in like more family members and all their family all the actors they get to play her family members are also biracial. So they have David Diggs as her brother, nice. Rashida Jones as her sister. Yes. And like, I don't know the last time they were like, when do you think the last time they were about allowed to play a specifically Wait, who does biracial racial? character? Who does Morpheus play? Morpheus is his dad and he's hilarious. Pops. <laughs> they could like, use him more. They could use him more, but I'm sure Lawrence Fishburne is like busy. Well, he's a producer. <laughs> he's hilarious. He like lives in the back and he like is always drinking scotch, but he's like the best dad in the world. He like evades the IRS. He doesn't <laughs> trust banks. He hasn't been to a doctor in 40 years. He's like Ron Swanson, <laughs> yeah. but like black. And like, that's amazing. He's a black Ron Swanson. He's um, one of the best characters ever to be on television. <laughs> Uh, Michelle, what are you I have watching? To watch Blackish. 
I watch an embarrassing amount of TV, so I have a lot to catch up with. Some of them I've just given up because I. What are like, you? What are you the most into right now? Like, what's what's your jam? Well, the thing I've been binge watching this past few days is Difficult People on Hulu. It's hilarious. Oh, that's the one with Billy Eichner, I right? Love that show. I love Billy Eichner. I want to watch that. It's fun. You should watch. There's this one episode where they have a pop up cafe called the Children's Menu, where they only serve like kids' food, which is great because. I have a palate of like a 12 year old child. <laughs> she does. So, chicken, yeah. chicken nugs and fries. Like pizza okay. and hamburgers. I know what to make Michelle happy now. That's a very helpful tip. Super to know easy. About you. Yeah. So okay. I was, I've connected with that episode a lot. Very nice. <laughs> True to your heart. Yes. Awesome. And Minji, what, what, what have you been watching? Okay. So we had the whole discussion about like K dramas with Will. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. I started watching Descendants of the Sun, y'all. And like that was like the most popular K drama in like the world. It was like a global phenomenon how many people watched that K drama. It's on Netflix now. And I started watching it yesterday. I finished one episode and I was like, wow, it has been tw- a dozen years since I've watched a full episode of a K drama. Mm-hmm. What is that one about? It's a, well, see, like they're doing a lot of like character development. They're like get, <laughs> letting you know who these characters are. But it's about soldiers. It's said in modern day, it's soldiers uh, from the Korean army. They're really, really good, but they're also like f boys a little bit. And um, and then there's like a really brilliant doctor, and there's something's gonna happen. There's like already a love story. Okay, how many episodes is this? Because I remember when I was like watching K dramas, they were like it was like a sixty hour Eight commitment. Trillion. That's why I'm saying yeah. I've been staying away. Do you have you guys watched any before? I was like in a whole binge mode. I, oh my god, um, my uh, <laughs> what was it? Coffee Prince. That was my jam. <laughs> Um, Heartstrings, Meteor, all the versions of Meteor Garden, Korean or otherwise. Oh my god! Did you like the Taiwanese stars. version of Meteor Garden? Um, the F four original version is still the best. I will fight you on that. <laughs> I will fight you. I on could that. barely get through like an episode of that because the acting was terrible. But it's like some nineties ass fashion in that show. Wait, so it's a Taiwanese version of the a, Taiwanese version of a Japanese manga of Boys Over Flowers Boys Over Flowers yeah. it was the first it was the first film adap- adaptation yeah, it was the late 90s 99 2000 yeah. and it is still the best and it is the reason why we have teen dramas really it's the reason why Asia dra- like K-dramas Taiwanese That's dramas true. Are, have, are teen they used to be historical dramas like set in like ancient china ancient korea like the court now they're all like modern day like college students teenage i just remember meteor garden i just remember the f4 from meteor garden becoming their own band called f4 and they sang the chinese version of can't stop falling in love with you for the lilo yes. and stitch soundtrack and guess who went Disney. to go see them in concert at las vegas mandalay bay like 2000 2001 <laughs> this girl <laughs> I love your life. I just like being it's like her whole life has been this way. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm still trying to find out, but like it has a really high rating, so I was like, okay, I think there can be something that I can get attached to. And I really one of my New Year's resolutions was to get better at Korean. So I was like Yeah. I want to be able to speak with my grandparents a little bit better. And this is gonna be in my way. As for me, um <laughs> Yes, Marvin, what have you been watching? You know, I finally caught up with the good place. Oh, Yay. Yay. And now that the episodes are starting up again, I'm like ready to like continue on. How many episodes is it? I'm on to episode. I think it's eight of season two. Season two, yeah. But season one was like 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. Season two, there's been yeah, there's been eight so far. And man, that show season two is like hitting on all cylinders. I don't how you, you guys all watch that. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I'm like five episodes in, which is a lot for Minji King. Five episodes is actually when it starts because, like, I remember you were kind of lukewarm on it because you watched the first two, yeah, of season one. But season I already one. know that, like, any show, like pilots are already like they're always going to be the up. roughest one. It's yeah. a setup. So I was like, okay, I just didn't have time because we were doing Empower. Like, yeah. I didn't have time. To but this one specifically, like, after it, it, after the third episode, it starts like when once you start seeing what the show's actually trying to do, it starts like. It goes places, and it's definitely that's a tough part. And this is we would know this from like our universe is like we're aware of that, but like how many people give it a shot like that far? If you don't get get you in the pilot or the second episode, you're like, "Eh." well, I think this is like it's it is broadcast on TV, but I watched it. I watched season one in one go when it was on Hulu, Uh so I think yeah, this is a very like 
even though it's on broadcast TV, it's a very digital platform minded show. The thing is, like, yeah, like you start watching it, and you know, everyone was like raving about Manny Jacinto's character. Ooh, shout out to um, Manny, who's great, um, nicest man ever. And like for the first two episodes, I was like, I don't. Is he? Is he just gonna like? Well, I figured. Just, I was know? just like, I didn't know where it was then, gonna go. But and then, just and then he around. goes from being like just a okay character to like the, the best, best character <laughs> ever the best character ever definitely of like 2017 <laughs> oh my god and i like, also like shout outs to um i don't know if you've gotten far eugene yeah Pillboy, <laughs> his best friend oh my god their scenes together are hilarious eugene's just hilarious eugene's in hilarious. general but yeah he yeah. brought magic i was so happy when i, that I got to those episodes i was like oh <laughs> and he was like finally she got there god like, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so yeah, let's talk about some like recent events that's been happening in in the Asian American space, which is just our space. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, let's see. The biggest news in terms of music and arts, I think, is that um, this past week, Rich Chiga came out with a um, announcement that that was Vice, right? Yeah. Well, Vice Did came you guys out. Read it? Vice came out with an article that um, Rich Chiga, so the um, I think he's he's Indonesian. He's Indonesian yeah, rapper. Um, is changing his name. To Brian, to his station. Brian, <laughs> just as great, great. Um, Brian. Brian. I mean, respect that choice. I think. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, for real. I think it's about time. But like, Brian. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, that's interesting. But you know what? That might really work. Because you know what I mean. Because it's yeah. so like Brian. It's Brian. It's Brian. <laughs> for those who don't, you get to Brian? Can he trademark Brian though? Like that's when I like. Is it a branding like a branding thing? thing? Yeah. Well, I don't. So for those who don't know, Rich Chiga was a is a rapper that came into prominence. Was it last year or the last two years? Um, as like this Asian guy who he, he does the the mumble rap style, right? Or the mumble rap? Yeah, I mean he's yeah. he's been a, he's been on the scene. I've heard about him for a few years now. Um, it was that stick, right? That, that kind of that went yeah. viral, and it went viral because people are. Interested in how the visuals don't match the the <laughs> this, swagger, this fanny pack and this like pink polo shirt. Um, You're just like, what am I? Wearing? Yeah, right. And there was this tweet that I saw that goes through the the stages of your thoughts when you're listening to Rich Chica, which is like, oh, this guy's pretty good. Uh, well, what a, what a what an interesting style. And then did he just use the N word? Oh, I don't know about this guy anymore, <laughs> right? Because he was very much um, very similar to what I feel was the Iggy Azalea effect, right? Where it's like... Oh my God, that's a, a very good parallel. A foreigner appropriating black African-American hip-hop culture. And Iggy's like, from um, Australia, right? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Without like really thinking about all the implications that that entails. Yes. Right? That's kind of been Rich Chiga's, um or Brian. This has been Brian's... Um, that's been the issue with him for the longest time since he started. Right. Yes, Brian. Yes, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, even the name itself, right? Like, you yeah. already know that if you're going to call yourself Rich Chiga, like, as me, I'm going to be honest, I've never listened to his music because the name itself was just Thank enough you. to stop me. I'm just like, why am I going to listen to a Thank you. Like, he's already probably problematic. Like, I'm not going to have another... I think... And, like, I realized when he sent me the article, it, like, crystallized everything mm-hmm. of, like, this is why I never took time to listen to his stuff because I was like... I didn't even think, I didn't even go that like half yeah. step further to be like, what's, ch-? I don't even, I don't, I don't, <laughs> like, I just kind of proceeded with my life. But it's kind of what he's saying, right? It's like, I made a mistake and yeah. now I'm going to change. Which is great. Like, maybe that's like, you know, I don't know. I, I was really like fascinated by the article you shared because I didn't understand all the layers and like the whole N word thing. It's like, oh, everybody listens to this. Yeah, I mean, that's all I know. There's that. And the fact that like, you can say it's a branding thing where it's just him trying to, like scrub his image so that he can be more more acceptable, but at the same time, like that's not what you do when you're about to release an album and go on tour and I don't where, get you, that where, where you have all this like all this like brand recognition already on the Rich Chiga brand for him to say I want to be Brian because Rich Chiga is it was something I should n- never have done. Yeah. That, that's what that's what makes me feel that it's. He's coming from a, 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 a at least a good place. Genuine. Yeah, Genuine I place, don't right? think this. Yeah, it doesn't. No, it doesn't wouldn't. feel. Yeah prompted also like that's kind of what like we should almost i don't want to say maybe applauding is too strong a word but I'm like yeah we should like give him props, no, props i give him props too. like this this i think this is a move in the right direction 
I mean, he's 18. Yeah, the dude's 18 well, years old. So. Right. Right. <laughs> like, I know people older than me who grew up in the United States who still use the N-word, who are not black, who use the N-word right. and see no problem with, like, cussing that. Have you ever been to a Kanye West concert? It is all white kids and Asian kids yelling the N-word. It's, uh, it's So I actually had a run-in, I won't specify, wh- like... I'll whatever it's I'm not even gonna mention who it is but I ran into an artist who wanted to be managed by another friend both are Asian American and it takes it's in Texas Texas very large state I'm being more nondescript but it's in Texas and they're saying like they're they're a rapper and like they sent me their sound calls like a lot of people send me music saying hey Minji can you listen to this and I was like I listened to two songs and clearly this guy's a really talented rapper I personally like hip-hop so I was like I've been listening to this since I was a kid this guy has raw talent i think it's good and he like self-produced it and it was like it was legit but big problem was that he was using the n-word it wasn't like all over the place but he used it i was like i'm sorry just like i don't want to listen to this makes me uncomfortable and like i was telling this to my friend and we had a whole dialogue about it because he was just like well i mean we perform this all over texas and like black people are fine with it and i was like you want to put him on a national like just it, it kind of brought, like it became a very like intense conversation unintentionally which just like he was just asking me do you like it or not and I said yes and a big no you know and I no I was just like this is not okay with me and I was like this is not his word to use this is like you know I don't know it's like problematic and I'm like trying to and I felt so ill-equipped to educate him because I didn't know what words to use to say why is this so problematic because he wasn't really seeing where I was coming from he's like yeah but like we've tested it out we performed it live in Texas and like black people were like confused at first and then they were like totally on board so like we should be able to say it and I was like <laughs> I'll like flip that back if like a rapper of a, of a black rapper I mean, I mean this is not even like the same level but if a right. black rapper was like using chink yeah and like yeah yeah exactly those types of exactly. like i'm like how would you feel that's right? what i use that was my example yeah and do you think every asian person you know in the united states in the world would be okay with that on any massive like uh, global yeah. yeah like national it's global just platform. not okay <laughs> like genuinely i'm like how do i how do i approach this, this is going to come up again you know, working in the Asian American creative space, like we we run into a lot of different potential controversies, right? Whether it's like somebody's making a film or someone's writing a show or like making a joke or you know, like we work with comedians too. Yeah, like when when old people say Oriental, oh, right, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm just like. That's wrong, but they're also so old. They're so old. And sometimes it's like a compliment. Like, I think this, like, really old, like, white dude, he was like a hairdresser. It's like, you have beautiful hair, like, but you permit, right? Because, like, Orientals don't have that hair. And I'm like, I'm just gonna, <laughs> just gonna, just gonna walk away now. Cool. Cool. Take care. Take care. Have a lovely day, sir. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, speaking of white people with problematic, um, Nice Stuff. segue, Marvin. Good segue. Let's talk about Mr. Logan Paul. Um, apparently, YouTube personality. He looks like the dude from Cobra Kai in um, Karate Kid, right? Sweep the leg. Um, he goes. Oh my God. He d- oh my God. He does. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Um, <laughs> I can't take credit for that. That was a meme that was being shared online. Okay, good, good, good. That he looks like an 80s um, movie villain. <laughs> but he does though. Um, apparently, he's he's a huge YouTube vlogger, and he's been doing these series of vlogs in Japan. And he went to the um, I forgot the name of the forest, but it's famous it's for like the suicide. Forest, yeah, it's famous right? for the place where people go to commit suicide, right? And this has always this has been a really a very controversial like topic too, because a couple of years ago wasn't there was a, a movie called movie The Forest? Made. Yeah. Yeah, with a white protagonist and like, yeah, it was like, was it Natalie Dormer? I don't remember, but I remember it it became like, it's because once you get into this realm and like, obviously he didn't know and didn't care that he was stepping into this like world of like mental health being a really big issue in the Asian, like especially in Asia, right? In Japan and Korea and, and he goes into like basically he t- does a vlog where he finds a dead body and like he's like react reacting to it. I haven't seen the thing. video. I haven't yeah. either because it's, it's just been like, deleted, but I'm sure it exists somewhere. Yeah, and rightly so, he's been just totally dragged for it. He's taking a break 
from vlogging. He deleted the video. He's been condemned by like everybody. And I mean, the the Asian American or the Asian pop culture angle here is just like it's just another example of our culture being like exotified or and, you know, it's like, not even a I don't even think it's a race it, thing. It's, it's not a our human. Asian, it's a it's human, a human thing. I don't say, I don't take thing. the Asian thing completely out of the whole thing. Like yeah. I, it's he happened to be it, in Japan. He I could have been anywhere. He could have been in in, in Turkey or Germany Africa or Germany, or, and he would have done something equally. I don't think. Yeah, awful. I mean, I I think it's compounded by the fact that mental health is such a issue, such a big pressing issue, and that like the lack, you know, the lack of acknowledgement, and that in Asia, um, I think that makes it worse. But like, yeah, if he if he had done this with like in like in the Germany German forest or like a French forest, like it would still be equally as horrible. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, it's bigger thing kind of like touching upon the world that we live in in terms of like social media. I think that's it's prompted a lot of like analysis on what are we dealing with as a society with all these content creators. A lot of them are young. A lot of them are like they kind of live on the Vine and Instagram, Snapchat and YouTube world of like being audacious to do these things that are going to gain huge like viral videos and viewership, but that's like their goal, right? Yeah, they're like, like they're shock jocks. Their right. their entire goal. So is to get in that reaction. process, in that like in that framework, in that that narrative, like you're gonna you're basically inviting a lot of potentially really dangerous. I mean, depending on who you're asking, right? Like some really problematic shit that's gonna be become the norm and then how are we going to deal with that in the meantime like who's educating logan paul like who would he listen to and who would he talk to about this kind of thing and how many more of these things would happen i don't know i've met i've read a lot of different articles that i saw that one that was like about just the story but now it's like branching off i feel like into bigger bigger like deeper discussions on it because like it's just like prompting us to like take a look at social media like this is what we do like we're giving him a lot of money because all of us are like what did he do what is it about, right? And it's like ironic. We're giving him like millions upon millions of views. You know, his his viewership, his subscribership is probably going to go sky like through the roof right now, which like, he, well, he wasn't intending to get this kind of reaction, but then it's like the world of entertainment. Like there's no such thing as bad PR. And that's why people are arguing. They're like, nothing's going to happen to his following. It might even grow. Well, he has his diehard supporters kind of attacking anyone who is a, is even calling him into question, which is, you know, the common... Like these days in in internet discourse, it's all about sides, mm-hmm. right? No one's taking a look at the big picture, or even if you do look at the big big picture, you still have to deal with people who don't. Yeah, right? but I don't think this is a new like this whole thing is new. I just think it's amplified by social media. I think this yeah. this kind of thing has always happened. It's just we didn't we as like preteens, thank God, did not have all this access to things that would make us look like fools forever and ever in the land of the internet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Jesus. Um, <laughs> I mean, so yeah. It's, it's kind of still the wild west, right? It's like the wild west of social media of like, of people like, cause I think this generation growing up with it, they will feel the effects for the rest of their life. But until like we, I think see that play out just, we as a culture, as a society just won't believe it. Yeah. I mean, bottom line is, there's certain topics that should just be like just off limits and like suicide in terms of like using it as a shock value is one of those things like literally like showing off a dead body on YouTube is just like all sorts of effed up. It is. But I will, I will say like, I just went through an exhibit at the Broad where one of the, not the Broad, LACMA where this woman boomed up a bunch, an artist boomed up a bunch of pictures of people falling out of buildings to their death. Like, they're real. So, and I'm not condoning what Logan Paul is doing, but I'm just saying, like, so that was art because it had institutional backing. From an ins- And institutions are inherently kind of racist and classist and sexist and, you know, gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. And we have things people like, and on the other extreme, we have, like, Logan Paul, who's, like, filmed this video of uh, of, of him finding this body. And then you have, like, a lot of other things in between, right? Like, But, yeah. Logan Paul, not an artist. Yeah. Not great. But no. I think not we not good. agree. Logan Paul, not great. But still <laughs> definitely part of like the mainstream. Like increasingly the, for the young people, that is their mainstream. Maybe media. more a symptom than just a cause. Mm. Right. Mm. Deep, y'all. <coughs> I'm deep. You're so deep. Well, going from potentially bad art to 
good art. Nice segue, Marcus. It's a day of segues. Um, I want to end this segment with a, a more brighter, more hopeful topic. It's Olympic qualifying season. Olympics. Dun, 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 oh, you've opened dun, that window, Marvin. The Winter Olympics. Dun, 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 dun. The Winter Olympics man. at Pyeongchang. Really? Um, is coming up soon, and right now it's the um qualifiers for w- figure skating. We we're gonna we have a huge Asian American like just talent pool in, yes, in figure skating. We do. Um, we have basically Asian American rep- representation every single event. Um, besides ex- pairs, besides pairs, right? But the major ones, so men singles, ladies singles, and ice dancing. Oh my god! Ice dancing. I, don't, I love ice. Don't besmirch ice dancing, <laughs> there's no Marvin. Time, there's no jumping. It is. No I will not on. have you sullying. They don't the need good to name. jump because they're so beautiful on their feet. So those are the Shibutani siblings, right? The Shibutani's, yes. I'm kind of like, oh, I can't imagine being dance partners with, with your sister. Your sister. Yeah, that's the re- part where, like, I had a moment in like college where I was like, wait, but a little, a little blades of glory, but their routines are like not, they're not sensual. They do a very good job. Um, I mean, I think like Quest Crew. Uh, some members of Quest Crew actually choreographed their routine, their long form program last what? year, the 2016. It's amazing. It's called That's Life. They mixed Frank Sinatra with Jay Z. This was their 2016 program, <laughs> though. 2016, 2017. Um, so, no, they're great. Yeah. For men's, we have Nathan Chen. Yes, Nathan um, Chen. Who's a, he's a, is he a SoCal boy? I, I'm not. Not sure. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm like I'm like more about the ladies. I'm sorry. Is, like, well, he's he's like yeah, he's one of the the, the front runners for the men's competition and for sing, women's singles. We have three Asian Americans in the running. Is this all ice skating? Yes, or figure okay. skating. Yeah, we have Damn. Karen Chen. We have Mirai Nagasu and I forgot the third person. Mirai Nagasu, Karen Chen, and so I third. had no idea Jess was this into Olympics. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I love the Olympics. And Mariah Nagasu, shout out. She's from Arcadia. Six to six girl for life. Okay. I mean, I'm a I'm a I'm an Asian girl of an age to have um grown up with Michelle Kwan mm-hmm. in her glory years. So that was amazing. Angela Wang's in fourth place right Angela now. Angela yeah, Wang. She's the fourth one. I used to look look up to uh, Chrissy Yamaguchi when I was little. And she's from the Bay. Right. Yeah. Yes, like, and Michelle yeah. Kwan's from Torrance. So, I mean, there's a really strong legacy. You could see it from the Christy Yamaguchi to Michelle Kwan. Yeah. And, like, now we have this, like, big boom of, like, Asian-American female figure skaters. Not that the powers that be cared, because as you remember last, like, four years ago, Miranda Costa was snubbed famously um, for Ashley Wagner. What country? Are they, are they skating for the U.S.? This is the U.S. Nationals. Okay. So, but the National Championships, if you win the National Championships, it doesn't automatically guarantee you a spot on the Olympic team. The Olympic team picks separately. So they take into everything to consideration, including how well you did in the Nationals, but like your past performances. So to, uh, Mariah Nagasu last Olympics. Four years ago, she placed third. She like surprised third, like very strong performance. But then she was... Not given not a spot, yeah, the, not given the, the third team. spot for the Olympic team because Ashley Wagner was like the golden child of the figure skating world, and like she, but she could not be not chosen. Yeah, I mean, you can. I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm a it's like I'm, the Oscars all over again. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not like so a, I'm not super into like the stats and everything. I'm a casual fan, so therefore I'm going to talk like an expert. <laughs> but <laughs> welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> Let their record show. Michelle K. Sukihara said she missed me over our break. So <laughs> it was too long and too it was far. too long. It was too quiet. She wasn't used to the silence. <laughs> but um, so the whole thing, and especially with movies like I Tanya coming out, like figure skating has, and there was this really great podcast about this black French figure skater. You know, the mm. world of figure skating is, you can argue, is very traditional and conservative, and they tend to favor a certain type and just from a branding point of view you know we talk you know the lakers like their superstars u.s figure skating also loves their superstars they want that central figure to like brand so they had michelle kwan for a while there was sasha cohen so they're kind of like looking for like someone to take the mantle of that and i think they were hoping to do it with ashley wagner yeah um she hasn't done so well in the international stage so it's just like a lot of different kind of politics coming into play. And yeah, Mira Nakasa also famously, I guess, um, decided to... Didn't she like 
train outside the system for a while, and that that rubbed people the wrong way. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. You know, but she's like <clears throat> she's twenty four. She got famous ten years ago because she did very well. Surprisingly, did very well. At the world, she podiumed at the world. Well, she was supposed to be the successor to Michelle Kwan, and just mm-hmm. they didn't like they didn't. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. It's fourteen. Like, think about when you were fourteen. Like, what were you doing? Like, a little pimple, and you're like mentally going into a mental spiral. Like, right? Imagine being like on the world stage. You're fourteen. Like, you, you're you, like you, the whole hopes of a nation are on you. Like, that's what I feel is so fascinating with like with sports in general because I never did a lot of. Well, no, I not, I did do organized sports, but I felt like it was not being athletic was not a huge push for me. But I was actually friends with somebody in the Bay who was being trained to go to the Olympics, mm-hmm. and she did homeschooling. Like it was her yeah. life, and so I was always fascinated by like the discipline, dedication, but also like your parents had to dictate that. Like you didn't like I don't know how many <laughs> of these kids were like. I'm sure they were, but it was also kind of like the momager effect. Well, like, if you think about the honey, kids now, <laughs> they grew up watching Chrissy Yamaguchi and Michelle, Michelle Kwan. Kwan yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. they're the right age to be inspired by those those women. I right? don't know any Asian girl of a certain age, middle class. I mean, I don't even know about middle class who didn't want to be Michelle Kwan. I took figure skating lessons. I'm terrible. I was terrible at them. But me and my sister took figure skating lessons and tried to be Michelle Kwan. To be Michelle Kwan. To be yeah. Michelle Kwan. Like that didn't pan out, obviously. <laughs> UCLA grad, UCLA grad. I mean, she was like in the she. I love Michelle Kwan so much. Oh my god! If you're here, if you're listening to this, Michelle Kwan, just we'll like tweet it at her. I'm your biggest fan. Um, she's um, one of my four heroes. It's her, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Beyonce, and um, Julie Andrews. I could be a combination of those four women. Like that's why I aspire to be every day. <laughs> I need to have a combination of who my four women are. Well, in addition to figure skating, also we also have Chloe Kim finally opened yes! up. Finally yes! opened up. To compete in snowboarding. Yes. She's such a happy, like, she's like, I just jumped. Like, I spun in the air. I just spun there four times. It's never been done by a female snowboarder. I'm just having a good time. (laughs) Like, I love her. She's adorable. I'm very excited about following Asian Americans in the Winter Olympics. We do really well. Speed skating, figure skating. Um, Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Snowboarding. Hey, very excited. Now I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break um, before coming back and talking to the Cape folk about Cape. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the Collabcast. Hope you all are having a great 2018. The Collabcast is brought to you by Collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment. Discovering, developing, showcasing, and connecting the creative talents of the AAPI community in North America and beyond. Uh, for more information about collaboration, our programs, and our events, um, check out our website at www.collaboration.org. The Collabcast is also a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collection of unique podcasts hosted by Asian Americans. There are a lot of great shows that are part of the Potluck Collective. And if you like the Collabcast, why don't you check out Books and Boba? Uh, Books and Boba is a book club podcast that I host featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. In addition to discussing our monthly picks um, each month, we also feature author interviews and more. If that sounds interesting, why don't you join us for the month of January where our book club pick is Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, a multi-generational story about Korean immigrants in Japan. You can find Books and Boba and the other great programs of the Potluck Collective by going to the website at www.podcastpotluck.com. And before we get back to the show, uh, Minji, why don't you tell us about what's happening at Sundance this year? If you're in Park City, Utah for Sundance Film Festival 2018, I believe it starts January 18th. I think it ends the 28th. We are having an APA Filmmakers Experience Sunday, January 21st in Park City. Be at uh, different locations, one of which cannot be disclosed until you RSVP. So for more information, we'll share everything on our website, on our social media. But there will be a reception, uh, multiple panels and, you know, mixers and whatnot. A great chance to interact with a lot of amazing independent Asian American and non-Asian American filmmakers. We're all there to just celebrate great art. And this is where a lot of amazing things happen. So come through and uh, if you have questions, hit us up. And that'll do it for our break. Uh, Thanks again for listening to the Collabcast. Now let's get back to the show. 
And welcome back to the Collabcast episode 153. Um, it's 2018. Woo, woo, woo. We're here January with our 4. first guest of the year, Michelle K. Sugihara. And just you, the two women behind CAPE, the Coalition of Asian Pacifics in Entertainment. And Jess could also moonlight as the Olympic uh, Olympic. Commentator. We should start a podcast yeah. just, just commentating. Oh my God. On, like, I think yeah. there should be start like, a, yeah. That, uh, be, I would recall. listen to that just for you. Yeah. Just for you, Jess. Um, but yeah, um, you guys are kicking off your new year soon. Yes. Right? I wanted to say, like, for me, Cape was um, this very, like, distinguished organization because I didn't know that because I moved to LA you know later in like 2014 and I didn't know anything about Cape and Roy had talked about Cape our executive producer because he was friends with Jennifer Sanderson at the time so like my knowledge was so little about what you guys did but like every time I got to go to one of your events or meet you guys or like get to know you when you became ED all that stuff I've just been like I'm just fangirling here because I'm I like to be your hype woman you guys do amazing work and like the people that you've worked with and like brought up, it's been incredible. So I really want everyone to go to look, go to their website. Oh, right back at you. Yes, yeah. you guys we are love collab. <laughs> it's been we've had quite a journey because you guys had tw- you're in your 26th year now. This is 27th year. 27. <sighs> oh dang, crazy! It's a long time. Yeah, solidly mid. It's almost as old as. No, I'm just. <laughs> Older than you, Jess, right? It's older than me, <laughs> yes. So. Not by a lot, but yes, it's older than it's me. Older. Um, and you guys have your Writers Fellowship coming up, one of your two main programs. Yes. Um, which is a annual program. It's a, it's a it's like a it's a fellowship. So yeah, it's it's now we're now in our sixth year. Um, it kind of started as an awards program awards show. So we had we used to have a contest, and you know we would read read scripts, and then. You have a grand prize winner, kind of do a reading of their script, and then like kind of send them off with like a nice check and like good luck, and they'd be like, "Hey, so where is everyone? Where are all these people?" Actually, one of those people was Randall Park, who now is doing very well. Yeah, but Randall. Randall was is a writer yeah. as well. We've had one of your former writers, Nathan yes. Nathan Ramos, on the program. He was before. just here. Yeah. Nathan just he did our program in he's 2017. Yeah. He's so talented. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, he's going to do very well. No, don't have to worry about that one. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, we have partnerships. You know, all the major studios and networks know about us. We work with a lot of them, um, and it's just been really good relationships all around. And they will look to us and ask us, you know, do you have writers? Like, can you rec- do you recommend? <laughs> like, they, sometimes people have very specific needs. Like, we're looking for a Filipino writer. Or we're looking for LGBT. a Japanese LGBT because they're right, trying to write for a certain experience or character. And, you know, they know that we have good people. And that we have the connections, then we can send them solid people. Yeah, yeah we're, we're a good complement to all of the network's own writing programs. And I think we're unique because our co-chairs, one is an executive and one is a showrunner. And so they, we marry the two in, the, in our program. Yeah, so we're not just teaching them how to, you know, how to write a good script in terms of structure and, you know, pacing. And we do that in our writing, our writing lab portion, where we pair each writer up with a high level mentor. And oh my god, we have we have gotten some amazing people to come and be mentors to these, you know, baby writers. We also have our like um, workshop side where each session is taught by you know some very cool, also very high level people in the industry about you know things like how to take a meeting. Like That's what does a so meeting important. mean? It's just a business it's, side. Yeah, right? it's yeah. like yeah. So you can be an amazing writer, but if you're in a room and you don't know how to sell yourself or your pitch or your story, like no one's gonna hear you. Mm. I mean, that was it's actually like the book. genesis of the fellowship. Like Jess was saying before, it was an award ceremony, and then we were wondering what happened to all these great people we found, and then we realized it's because they don't know the business side. Mm. And yep. like, how do you play the game? And how do you? Take See, a meeting, and that's why yourself. we have the same mission we'll, we're doing with Collab with Empower. You guys were a partner this year and like why we were plugging you guys. Every year since it started. Yeah, yeah. all three years. It's been amazing. <laughs> but that's like the same thing. It's like how we have talent, but then they're just kind of floating out there. Like you need to know how to direct it and how yeah. to get Channel in that it. room. Yeah, and let's be honest. I mean, Hollywood has very is very 
Like it's a nepotistic system. If your uncle system. is not, yeah, yeah the VP, like, SVP. Like, like, most of the people, like, their families have been in the industry. Like, their dad was, like, a camera person or, like, an exec or something, or a musician. You know, it's it's very in the family. So if you're coming, you know, from an Asian-American background and your family is, you know, are immigrants and, they, you know, your parents may not even speak English and you just have this, like, dream of, like, I want to write for TV. It's like... I don't know anybody. Like, how do you get your foot in the door? So we also work to connect to connect people to make a network, both professionally, but to build a community to know that you're not the only one doing this. There are other people who share the same dream and that you're not alone. Because a lot of times you will be the only person of color, the only woman, the only gay person or LGBT person right. in any room writing or executive wise. Right. So just to even know that there's other people who sh- who understand, who share your same values, who you can just talk and be like honest to. Like we've heard that time and time again, just to bring people together in the same room who are going through the same thing, experiencing the same thing, hoping for the same thing, dreaming about the same thing. It's just very powerful right. and what, helpful. One of the things that was interesting that came out is so a lot of the people in Asian communities, this is like their second or third career because they were they did the safe thing first. They were good. They went to like you. med school or law school. And then they switched. And so they're kind of behind the curve now because all these other kids who came out straight from college or high school or whatever, they've been writing for a long time. So our people are kind of trying to play catch up. But yep. oh, but yeah. the industry is kind of flipping to to reward that because now they're saying we want people with a medical degree. We want people with a legal degree because they've yeah. got life experience. So oh, one I of our fellows of has her PhD in neuroscience. Yes. Hey. One was a practicing ER doctor. One's one, a Harvard law graduate. Well, Harvard law oh my graduate. God. Uh, one was a journal an international journalist. She like covered like disasters and like a bunch of like natural disasters, like all over the world. It's just like insane, like where these people are coming from. And well, tangent. That's what I was saying about like what we've we've talked about, like all, like the career switch with a lot of our different guests, right? Like you guys know, like we'll bring on musicians and writers and directors and whatever. We're always like, well, well how did you get there? Because that to me is fascinating. Because so many people have like a completely like random different outside the entertainment, like not film school, not anything. And they're just like, well, I was, you know, doing mechanical engineering and I'm like, yeah. And then those people are creative too. And they have a story to tell. So I think it's like amazing. And I'm like, always going to plug them like public health, public health (laughs) policy. (laughs) Like a nerd. So let's talk about outcomes then. Like where, where have your fellows gone on to, to work since since I'm um, going through your program. Oh, where do we start, Michelle? This is fun. Like I, I like type this so much. I'm like I'm like a Rolodex. <laughs> so like um even starting from our award winners, you know, like some of them have been very successful. Randall Park, Leonard Chang was an award winner and he is now the co EP executive producer, which is the it's the level right under it's the second highest level, basically, for snow. John Snowfall, John Singleton's show about the crack epidemic in LA. So, you know, they have done very well. Some of our fellows who have gone through our program, two of them, they're a writing team, Bowie, um, Bo Young Kim and Erica Lippold. They are writing for Star Trek Discovery. Nice. Which is amazing because they are the biggest Star Trek nerds. <laughs> and to See, actually follow your heart. Yeah. And it's just like, kind of amazing to like actually, could you imagine writing for your favorite show? like actually adding to that canon like it's beautiful like imagine <laughs> if you got to write for star wars or something like that like oh i'd ruin it <laughs> <laughs> some bitter betties would say it's already been done but it's fun i loved it whatever um nathan who you had rose um, becomes a jedi and saves the saves the galaxy i'd watch that i will yes i'd watch it if you replaced every single character and with kelly marie tran i'm totally fine with that <laughs> Um, Nathan, who you had on your podcast, he's now writing for Club Mickey Mouse. April Shi, who was our fellow last year, she just got staffed on You're the Worst, the FX show, which is very exciting. It's a perfect fit for her. Aaron Ho has written for Austin and Alley, Cougar Town. Town, and now he's writing on the Trolls show for Netflix. <laughs> um, Helen Shang has written for Hawaii Five-0, Hannibal, Hannibal, and now she's working on a Crackle series. She's working on a new digital series. Um, 
Nick Nick Nikhail Jayaram has is working on Shades of Blue right now. He did Mysteries of Laura and Mysteries of Laura. Franklin Jinroll, he has done The Exorcist on Fox and Seven, Seven Seconds, Seconds on, on Netflix. Netflix. I mean, so like, I mean, the it's list crazy. just goes Julie on. Julie Wong's on Grey's Anatomy, Wong like our favorite show. Anatomy. So Jess and I have watched every single, single episode, episode of Grey's Anatomy. Still, like fourteen <laughs> seasons in, it's still our favorite show. How? Every time something bad happens or something makes me like really upset, I email Julie and I'm like, Julie, how could you do this? <laughs> Which she has no control Staff over. Writer. Staff Staff writer. Writer. But you, need, you need to be able to target your your. But still, but still, I'm gonna be like Anchor. Julie. Like what? <laughs> but why? But why? I never got into Grey's Anatomy. It, all, it always just seemed like not as good scrubs to me. What? You shut the your writing mouth. is so good on it. She's show. gonna throw the microphone stand now. <laughs> yeah, you guys um, watch your mouth. But yeah, that's the that's the amazing thing about your program is not only are you slowly seeding the writers' rooms of Hollywood with Asian American talent that who will one day become showrunners, executive producers, the people in char- charge of you know of the creative process, but also you're finding people from all different backgrounds, right? People who. I mean, most of our our fellowship is like pretty. It's it's like, it's like I'm gonna be humble, but I'm like it's real good, you know. You oh, know yeah. the, the level of our writers are people who have usually have made the concentrated effort to pursue it. They have their mm. MFAs. They have MFAs. Mm. They've taken oh, wow. like courses, screenwriting courses. Maybe they work I at this. Apply. <laughs> no, you should, no, you should. Still. If you want to do it, you should definitely. If you have a script and a dream, yeah. you should do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have uh, many dreams. <laughs> so they, you know, they've been they've been working at it. Um, consciously for a while but that but like we said you know like I'm, I'm sure Nathan covered this like Nathan kind of fell into writing mm-hmm. he was an actor first and then he wrote a play and then he started writing screenplays so I don't think he's had any formal schooling but he made the conscious effort to, to become a writer and to to work on it mm. so it is work it's not like a it's, well I mean yeah like me First step is to call yourself a writer, mm-hmm. right? right. To name to, it, yeah, to, to call it out. Yeah. Well, it's funny because with our the ecosystem that we're working in, I keep calling it so many different things, but this is our world, our universe, right? And it's like this tiny niche that's been growing and growing and growing. But like the call to action for a lot of these people is like, we just need more writers. We need more. Mm-hmm. There's there's a, a huge surge, not a huge surge, but there's a bigger, bigger surge of Asian American actors and like. But we need the people but to the write writers the are stories. the ones who can yeah. create the content. Right, right. they're really the only and ones so who can create. Their that's own what jobs. I've noticed is being an an actor and being amongst all of us and meeting everybody and talking with everybody. I was like, y'all need to write. Like we yeah. need to write. Like I need to write. Like everyone diversity needs to write. starts on the page. Right, and even if and my thing was like, okay, even if I don't end up being like the ultimate person who writes the entirety of the script at least i can provide a story do you know what i mean like i really want to contribute like everyone has different stories every time we tell like, especially with jess she has so many stories of, like made a lot they of need to make that into a show man <laughs> then that needs to be a movie man i watch it i would rather watch that than a lot of other stuff i'm seeing on netflix like bright <laughs> <laughs> I hate uh, it. That's so a whole other. Mm, but anyway, that kind of stuff is is more than missed and hit usually. But he got three point five million dollars <laughs> for garbage, in my opinion. What but did, like, what was his dad famous for? John Landis, National yeah. Lampoon, Coming right. to America, House, right. legend. But see, <laughs> yeah, Daddy's boy got in the door, and he got three point five million for a piece of crap. He's yeah. writing the junk. I wish I could write like just like fantasy shit in L.A. Like ogres, right? but cops. <laughs> It's a great concept. I was like, I, I got so much like aggressive. People were like, what are you hitting? I was like, I didn't say the concept was bad. I didn't say like the writing was terrible. So if I'm feeling bad for Will Smith, <laughs> like, if I feel like sorry for him, that's a problem. Right. Like, oh, no. So as you say, um, the writers are the ones that get the, the diversity on the page. Um, but then you also have another program where you're trying to get people into positions to make the decisions to get those people into position. Leaders. I'm being totally repetitive, yeah, but repetitive. Um, you have a leadership program. It's a brand new program that just started last year, um, training executives, Asian Americans who are working to become C's, um executives in studio, yeah. in, in the studio system. VPs right? and higher. We want them to break into VP ranks or higher. I mean, hopefully C's. 
<clears throat> to the end goal is ultimately the C-suite. Yeah, so right. what, what we've heard was that was the first big jump like from the director-manager level into the VP ranks. And so there's a lot of more Asian-Americans at the assistant coordinator level at the bottom, and then they're not making that jump to VP. So that's the piece that we wanted to focus on. What can you say, like one factoid that you would share as like you guys learned or teach to the people who get in the program? Yeah, so we focus on the manager-director level. So that's already people who have been in the industry for a while. They've shown their commitment uh-huh. to climb that corporate ladder. And I think it's it's more about how do you then communicate? How do you... Is like pitching to your, yourself? Yeah, because again, it's, it comes down to pitching. Like, How do you pitch yourself internally to your superiors that you are leadership material, that you are assertive, and that you can get the job done? Like, right. You're not just this meek person that puts their head down and works hard, but you can also be effective in communication. And be visionary or but, like whatever. But in a way that's authentic to yourself. Because that's the thing, if you're not being yourself, it comes off weird. And that's just not in business. Like, I think we've all met someone who like... Or interact with someone like <laughs> who like you feel like like there's nothing wrong with them, but there's just something off. Like every time you talk to them, you're like, I don't know if we click. And that person's just not probably like for whatever reason is just like hiding some part of themselves or like filtering some part of themselves. And that comes off as just strange. <laughs> like it comes off as ineffective. <laughs> um, right. So how do you mesh corporate culture with your authentic with self? your authentic self? Mm. Well, I mean, yeah, like Asian Americans in corporate culture have to deal with as much stereotyping as Asians in entertainment do, right? People have this image of you of you are this. So if you're not that, they don't know where to place you. They don't know how to deal with you. And a lot of times um, that, that causes you to either become disillusioned the whole thing or to just like to be what they want you to be. Well, that's right. why like, on a macro level, like yeah. what we're doing here is that's why media is so important because the s- images that they're showing that becomes that's very pervasive. What's affecting, yeah. That's right. what's building the stereotypes and the image that the majority of America yeah. sees. the world is seeing. Right. So if you've never met an Asian person before, right? Like where are you going to get the model? Yeah. And it's so important to have like Asian diversity in that, that VP because like the, VPs are essentially in charge of divisions, right? And they, in, in that aspect, are in charge of culture. And if you have someone who is, comes from a diverse background, who understands how to, like, what that means as the, the, the person up top, like, that trickles down, yeah. right? I mean, we, we talk about Sami Falvey. She used to be at ABC Disney. And we have her to thank for Fresh Off the Boat, Dr. Ken, and Andy Mack. So it's like we need wow. people in these high-powered positions right. to push these through. Because they set the strategy like, okay, we're, diversity is going to be something we pursue instead of something we put up with. Yeah. Right. And even on the subconscious level, like once you start, you hi- like hires like. I mean, mm-hmm. it's sometimes as simple as that. You're going to relate to the person who is most like you and have a connection to the person who is most like you. So if we can just find a way to make that baseline like a little more diverse, diversity will beget diversity, or right. inclusion will beget inclusion. Um, and you know, tr- Hollywood is just traditionally a very white, so male, boys club. heteronormative space. Well, and that's the thing I've I've argued, debated, argued slash debated people like, oh, well, why don't you just let things happen naturally? And I was like, in what world does that happen? Like, you have to move with purpose yeah. and intent, you know. And like when you guys ran the showrunners uh, panel at Empower this year, when Monica Maser. Mesa, right? Oh my god, yeah. Her, oh my god, queen. I right? Just, I love her. And she's half black and half Korean. Yep. And she just like, she just like shut it down exp- explaining. I just, we have her to thank for Daniel Day Kim. So I wish Monica could tell you the story herself. If you ever get a chance to see Monica Mesa speak or like, you know, preach or whatever, like, <laughs> right, go. Right. Yeah. She's the reason go. she didn't die yeah. in the, the first, first season. season so if, if Daniel D. Kim didn't have seven seasons of Lost, like, would he, he be would be, where he, would he be is Daniel today? Kim. What and did he, she have right. to say? I want to know the backstory. She so, like, she was a staff writer on Lost. So, lowest level, right? Uh-huh. No real power. She's just kind of executing ideas. She, and she the was the diversity ups. chair too. So she's a black Korean woman, right? Like kind three of boxes. Three, three boxes. boxes. Seriously. Three in the room. Yeah. And apparently they were about to kill, they wanted, they were going to kill Jin because... No, he, no, so from day one, they're like, someone's going to die. die. Someone's going to die in season one. And they were like, oh, we're going to kill Jin because his character doesn't speak English and we don't know how to write for him. 
paraphrasing, but essentially, like, it's hard to write for him. Yeah. So then she was like, well, that seems really wrong. Like, that seems hella racist to be like, you know, to kill somebody off because they don't speak English because you don't want to write for them. That's so th- there is a higher level Puerto Rican, Cuban. American, or yeah, Cuban, Cuban, I think, Hispanic. Um, he, so her, her superior. So basically, he gets together with Monica and he's like, we need to strategize on how to fight this. You're already seen as a diversity person, so don't talk about race. You talk about it from story, a plot story, and story, story point yeah, of view, yeah, right? Yeah. And he'll take the diversity hit. He'll just be like, that's just racist. That's racist. So, you know, they so they had to like kind of work through to how they were going to present it. But they eventually ended up keeping Daniel Day Kim on. Right. So the story argument was you can't kill him because they're the only married couple on the island. So if you kill him, you can't we won't have marriage. Any, yeah. Like, we will lose that whole storyline. They're like, okay. So they tag teamed. So they're like, exactly. that's brilliant. Yeah, but but that's why we need to be in the room. We need to be at the table, or else we will have those conversations. Yeah, but it's right. amazing. Like so, like let's say Monica wasn't there. If they weren't in the room, and they killed Jin, no Daniel Day Kim, no Seven Seasons. Right? There's Daniel Day Kim wouldn't probably wouldn't have been on Hawaii Five O. He probably wouldn't have gotten the clout and the power and such that he has right now to produce things like The Good Doctor and all these other amazing projects he's working on. So like, that's amazing. Like, literally, and I'm not to say dissuading Daniel Day Kim and his talent yeah, and his Yeah, hustle. but it altered his trajectory. Like, it would have been, it was taking that much longer or it more, been like, harder, harder for him to get any of the things that is, like, very due, you know. Yeah. So yeah. for me, it's just very, like, you know, it's, it don't... That's why it's important to have these people in the room. Don't underestimate yeah. what one writer, one person in the room can do. Right. And she also like she spoke to my heart so much just about like being a woman and like being vocal and that 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 guard that like that filter will automatically like self impose saying like I don't know if I should say anything but she's like nope mom I'm gonna talk and this is what's happening and I was just like yes I was crying I was, like, she's amazing because yeah. that that barrier is real oh you yeah. know what I mean and like at the and longer, when you're the only one in the room yeah right. and you're just gonna be like oh, I shouldn't say anything and how many people do that without even thinking about it. Because she was saying, too, she realized, like, there were all these moments where she could have said something. And another executive from NBC, um, Chris San Augustine, she was like the same thing. Like, how many rooms do I have? Not only the opportunity, but also the responsibility to speak. If I don't, who Who the hell is going to? Like, I have to. So, respect. And that's a great, because I feel like a lot of times when we achieve something, we feel like, I don't know how I got this, but I know I got this and other people don't, so I can't lose it. And you're so afraid of losing it that you just like you you go defensive instead of like, wait, I have power now. I can do more things. Let's flex our muscles, right? And I think that's that's something that we we need to teach our leaders. It's just like when you get to the when you get a seat at the table, flex those muscles. Like use your use power. your voice. Yeah, use your voice. Yeah, it's real. It's tough, but I feel like you guys are doing something really really beneficial and like that. To me, that's why I'm such a leadership geek. Those things will be like the intangible, invisible things that people will never may never know about. But we're gonna like talk about it on this podcast yeah. first of all, and also just know that you're doing things that are ch- to me. What I've been able to see through collab and working with you guys is like you guys are doing things that change the entire world. That's I take it that big, and I go that far because well, I think media does world. have that yeah. power to change yeah, the entire world. You guys, I'm saying, <laughs> and and you know you for us, room. a lot of it is like it. It's not always flashy. Oh, we work no. in a very flashy industry. But, you know, if you want, if you want, and it's like, you know, the parties are always fun and like the, ne- you know, the events are always fun. But like, I'm kind of over parties. It's too old. <laughs> but it's for us, it's like making name tags and like doing yeah. the spreadsheets and like making sure that everyone got their parking pass. Like, oh, yeah. But if someone didn't do that and you guys do that and we do that and like I say, we got to take credit for that because that, those minute details make the event happen. Yeah. That allows for the connections to be made and the programs to be funded and, you know, all of that. I mean, with, with us, there's just two of us. Yeah. Just me and Jess. So it cray. It's a lot. Y'all are cray. Yeah. And I love you. I mean, there are programs who, you know, there are network programs who take the same amount of fellows as we do. Right? A- HBO, standard, NBC. It's six to eight or six to, like, it's t- the, st- the typical number is eight fellows per year. Like, we also take eight fellows per year, and we're doing it with, like, much less resources, Fraction. you know, than, than some of these networks. But you got the community backing. Yeah. No, no. It's <laughs> been it's amazing. Great. I will, t- I will say it's, it's amazing how much people are willing to give back. So I was yeah. talking about our mentors, right? We have 
some amazing people, you know, showrunners, people who are calling the shots, who are more than willing to come back and be like, yeah, I'll come and like, I'll read the script from this baby writer and give notes and like, you know, work with them. And some of these um, relationships have like gone on beyond the fellowship. So they have been so generous in giving back and like really starting that, you know, that leadership of bringing people up with you. Yeah. Yeah. And just supporting. So one of our, Award winners actually is Alice Wu, and so she did Saving Face. And at the time, Teddy Z was really involved with Cape, and so he helped her get her movie made. And so yes. I think that that's really amazing. It's an amazing no, movie. If you haven't seen it, Michelle Krusik, <laughs> Lin, Lin Chen. Yeah, yeah. Great. Props well, you guys. I'm going to give you one more opportunity to plug your Writers Fellowship and the deadline coming up. Yes, so the 2018 Cape New Writers Fellowship. The deadline is January 7th, 2018 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. It's an amazing multi-week program, uh, intensive program, but you will get sessions with some of top industry profess- professionals on, and we'll arm you with all the tools you need to succeed in the industry. As well, you will get a one-on-one mentoring with a high-level writer currently working in industry in the industry past mentors have included james wong monica maser monica maser yalin chang brenda sue adele lim um who have written for shows like handmaiden's tale who not just written but like pretty hot very high up in handmaiden's tale crazy rich asians um jim rowe for x files -Files. (laughs) he was the original writer on the original x files and he's working on this reboot he also does american horror story with ryan murphy so you know really great big hitters um so you get one-on-one mentoring with them um to work on your pilot script that you submit (laughs) or screenplay or screenplay yeah don't miss this opportunity. Do not. If people won't. and oh, and the best part, you get to spend like six weeks with me and Michelle. You see us <laughs> every Monday up? and Wednesday. Where do I sign up? Oh no! Actually, the best part is we feed you every session. That's even better. And we get For real good, good, good food. food. We have good farms. food. Even better. We don't do sandwiches. We do what? like hot, nice. <laughs> we do love rice. We love rice. <laughs> yes. And actually, just another tag onto that is. What I really tried to do when I started was to make it not just a blip on your resume. Like, yeah, I did that Kate Fellowship one time. But it's to continually look for jobs and hook people up and take care of our alumni database. And so we now have about 50 alums. And I think we've... We still send opportunities. At least once a month. Like, I'll try... I'll meet with someone and I'll try to get them an opportunity. So, yeah. Yeah. Bless your hearts. I love you. If people want to find out more about Cape and... Or follow you. Where can they go? You can visit our website, capeusa.org. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash cape, C-A-P-E. On Twitter at cape USA. USA. <laughs> and on Instagram as cape underscore USA. I wish they were all the same. I know, but you know. <laughs> the struggle is real. So struggle, I understand. The nonprofit life, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Someone took the some of the other ones, so we try our best. But if you have any questions about the fellowship, you can also email us at info at capeusa.org and I will get... I. I am the one who answers the emails, <laughs> and I will get back you to you as soon me. as I can. Awesome. You can also do it through the website. But through the um, through the website, though, is probably the easiest way. Yes. And as always, you can contact the Collabcast by emailing us at podcast.collaboration.org. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Leave us a good rating review on iTunes. And yeah. Thank Abby. you guys so much for coming here. Thank you all our so first much. Fun. episode of 2018. Yay! Thank you for having us. Yes. Let's all work together to make 2018. Let's do it. We already got it going. Ever. It's our year. It ends in an eight. Super lucky for Asians. Mm-hmm. Crazy Rich Asians <laughs> coming out. August. August yes. 17th. It's going to happen. This Lots is our year. Happening. And on that note, that'll do it for this episode of the Collabcast. Thanks again for coming, Michelle and Jess. Thanks, Ooh, thanks for, for having us. us. And we'll see y'all later. That was very. (laughs) We spent a lot of time together. (laughs) Repping for that 1999. You know who I am. It's Mr. Yamazam. I'm the 100 grand man, and I'm aiming for your place. Hot blam, hot damn. Put your hands up, hands up. You know what it is. It's the cancer. Cancer. Legitimate immigrant anthem. Anthem. We feel the same things. Like say my name right. Respect my late great grandfather.